Well, here we are. The end of another year. I'll be honest, this is probably the first time I've been at Cornerstone at the end of the year for quite a while. We normally do Christmas service, fly out Christmas Day, see the kids down south if we're away. And um, yeah, it's, it's interesting to actually think of that. Um, the year coming to an end, the new year about to start, and no doubt amongst the crowd here, some people have had their maybe their worst year ever. Some have had a bad year. Some have had a good year. Some have had an amazing year. Everything's quite different, but as I started to really think about the new year coming, like I'm not really one into, you know, let's make a new year's, you know, resolution service thing and we all, what are we resolving to do this year? But at the same time, I was thinking about how have I progressed this year? How have I changed? How have I developed and grown? And, you know, how have we as a church developed and grown? Have we, you know, because sometimes we go through times in life where it just seems like we haven't changed at all, right? We go, go through a whole year, we get to the end of the year, and we remember back to the year before, and we made all these resolutions that we're going to do this, we're going to get fitter, we're going to lose weight, we're going to be a better dad, a better mum, a better friend, a better this, whatever it might be. You know, I'm going to seek God more. We get to the end of the year, and we look back, and we go, well, that was a waste of time. You know, we wish we could rewind the whole thing and start again, because, you know, there's doesn't seem like anything's happened. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes it is like that, isn't it? Like, I know in my life there's certain things that you think, yeah, I'm going to do this. Like, usually every holiday is like this holiday. You know, me and Joe are like, right, we're resolving. We're going to clean out the office. We're going to set it up. And you know what? It's nearly the end of the holidays. Do you know how much work we've done in there? <laughs> Heaps. We've done it. No, kidding. <laughs> we haven't done anything yet. Still in our heart to do, but, but there's times when the, we, can, we can look and we can see the progress in our life. And I just wanted to talk about that in terms of our Christian walk this year. That, and at the end, I want to pray for all of us. I want to pray two things. One, if you have had the worst year ever, um, we're going to pray that next year there's a, a real change, that there's a breakthrough, that God's blessing comes in an amazing way. Now, me and Joe have had a fairly hard year, I'd say in terms of years, but we have known that God has been with us through that whole time. We've seen blessing after blessing as we've been travelling through it, but we really want next year to be different. We want the year to be that year of, you know, breakthrough where, where suddenly things are easier. Does anyone like easier? I do. I hate hard. <laughs> He's like, he doesn't like easy. Easy is awesome. That's why I don't go down and kill a chook in the backyard, pluck it, and then roast it. I go to the shop and buy one that's already done. It's like, good, it's great. That's advancement, right? But I was thinking about how God wants us to do that because he wants us to mark the progress in our Christian faith, yet it's often a thing that's really neglected in our life. We, we go through our Christian life, and it's very mundane, do you know what I mean? It doesn't actually seem like we've advanced at all. We're, we're exactly the same as we were five years ago, ten years ago. The day we, we decided to give our heart to Jesus, it's like nothing's really changed. There's no marked difference in our life. And that's a tragedy as a Christian that we could end up that way. In fact, I would say it's, 
it's dishonouring of God in a way, you know, as, as uh, Alison was reading out that quote from Spurgeon, you know, it's like, he doesn't part save you, he all saves you. Like, every part of you is meant to be transformed, you're meant to be growing into the image of Christ, right? And yet, we don't do that sometimes. And one of the things that I think is actually really important for us as Christians is to, to think about how we have progressed, or not progressed, even. And I want us to, to really think about that today, that that could be... If at the end of this message you go home and you just sit down for a little while and think, what has happened to me this year? What's changed in my life? Is there something that I can mark this life with? And, and I was remembering back to when I got hooked on a game called SOCOM, <laughs> a computer game, I think it was PS1 or something, I don't know, maybe two, so many years ago, and I would love playing it. I don't know if anyone out here plays computer games. People of my age, yeah, Callum, well done, mate. Nice to hear. So this message, you listen carefully. This will help you. <laughs> this will help you. We could get lost in computer games, and people do. I don't think it's a good thing to be, you know, addicted to computer games, of course. However, I did love SOCOM. <laughs> it was like these Navy SEALs, and they wandered through, and you had to do missions and, and stuff like that. But what I noticed about that game and also games that came before, so Mario Brothers, anyone play that? Yeah. You go and you get through a level and then what happens? You die. What? <laughs> no, no, you get through the level. Let's say we got through the level, you know, I'm, I'm starting out level one. And then, ding, and then I die. Then I die another time, then I die another time, and then I go back to the start, right? And then I have to do it all over again. But as I learn how to play a computer game, I get more experience. So I, you know, I learned that, you know, if I go down that tunnel, something's going to eat me. If I, you know, go down the other tunnel, I'll get all these gold coins, whatever it might be in Mario or in SOCOM. Or I'd work out where all the soldiers were that I could um, make not alive anymore. <laughs> but I would grow in, in what I knew about that game, right? And I'd progress on and I'd get to the end of that level and once I defeated whatever it was or reached the goal or, or, or anything like that, my place got saved. I didn't have to do level one ever again. I could actually mark that moment as a moment of progression. It's like, I have completed that, and now I'm moving on to the next level. And, of course, the cycle would repeat. And if you're like me, if you can't get through a level after about 12 times, the game's dumb, and you just throw it out. <laughs> it's like, I just don't have time for that. But I really thought that was quite interesting when I was thinking about us as Christians and our progression in life. You know, like... We do start out as baby Christians, right? Would that be true? When you first got saved, you didn't know much about God, you didn't know much about faith, you, you didn't grow that much. You, you might pray, but you're sort of learning how to pray, you're learning how to read the Word, and it's coming alive to you. And as you go along in your Christian life, there's certain points where you feel like, hey, I've progressed. Something different is happening. I'm not going back to the start and doing it all again. Yet Paul, in one of his letters, talked to one of the churches and he said, guys, what's wrong with you? It's like, 
I've got to teach you the basics all over again. It's like you haven't matured. It's like you're stuck at level one. You never reach through to the next stage of your Christian growth. And I think part of that is that we don't really take it seriously sometimes. You know, we we come, we get saved, and, and that's it. I'm a Christian. And how many of us languish a little bit as Christians. We, we don't ever progress as Christians. We don't ever grow as Christians. We, we just stay exactly how we are for years and years. And it might be that maybe you've gone through level one and level two and level three and there's 20 levels ahead, but you're like, I'll just stop at level three. The thing is, as a Christian, we should never, ever desire to be satisfied where we are in the things of God. We should never get to that place where we're like, that's it, that's the last marker, I'm sitting down now and <laughs> throw out the game like I would do. You know, but there's so much more in Christ and there's, and there's things that we need to do so that we can grow and there's things we need to consider so that we continue to grow. That, that actually marking our progress or thinking about it is a really important point. Now, there's certain things in your Christian life that you might know already that are, that are marks of progress for you. So... Um, let's just pretend Hugh this morning sort of knew what was going on. But there's, here's a marker right here in his life. Mum and Dad are promising to bring him up in the ways of the Lord. There's one marker. He might get to that stage of, okay, you're off to creche. And then it's off to Sunday school. And, and the Sunday school teachers begin to teach him about who God is and what God does along with the family, along with the people in the church. There's this investment into his life. He graduates, he starts going to youth, and, and um, in youth he learns about baptism and the importance of being baptised and what it really means that you're identifying now with Christ, you, you understand the death and resurrection, um, or maybe even before that there's that point in time when he goes, you know what, I actually understand Jesus died for my sin. And there's a moment of salvation. A clear moment where he goes... I need Jesus. And he, he prays the prayer of salvation and he dedicates his life to God. And, and then, like I said, he might learn about baptism and go through the waters of baptism. Then he might start attending a small group and growing with friends around him. There's, there's something that marked his progression. He might get married in life, another marker, whatever it might be, and join himself with another person who's a Christian and, and loves God and they grow together in faith and have kids and, and bring them up in faith. Now, there is a danger that at all those different stages that there's actually never any progression, that, that from the moment that he starts growing up, he just becomes a churchian, someone who knows church, knows the lingo, just understands it, never has that heart change. And this is the thing that I want us to consider this morning. Has your heart changed over 2023? From the beginning of the year, what were you like? Were you an angry person? Were you a kind person? Were you a jealous person? Did you have some unforgiveness in your heart? Did you, did you rely on God? Did you step out in faith for things? And at the end of 2023, what's changed? What's different? What would be the signs of your progress to those people in your life that look at you? 
What would be the significant things that they are seeing in your life? And, and when I think about it, and I was talking about it with Joe, we were talking about the progression. What would mark you becoming a more mature Christian? What would those markers be? Now, I can't really say for everyone what it is, I guess, but boiling it down, this is what you'd get. Has there been an increase of fruit in your life this year? From the beginning of the year to now, have you seen an increase in joy? Have you seen an increase in peace? Have you seen an increase in long-suffering? Have you seen an increase in your patience? Have you seen an increase in your self-control so that from the beginning of 2023 to right now, you have noticed that you have so much more control of yourself? You're not given so much to your emotions, you're not just being tossed to and fro, but, but you're seeing a progress. Have you noticed that your prayer life has deepened and enriched? Have you noticed that your word life has deepened and enriched? Or if I looked upon your life, would you say, I've come nowhere this year in my faith? In fact, if I went back to the beginning of this year, I'd probably have more faith than I have now. I was a better Christian back then. I had more fruit of God. But things came in my life and destroyed it. And, and we'll be looking at a passage um, from Chronicles a little bit later on, or I'll just be reviewing it for you, where there was a destruction of what was godly and it needed to be rebuilt. Perhaps 23 was a year of destruction for you, that, that you've noticed your faith has gone nowhere, it's actually been cracked, the enemy's come in, circumstances have come in and they've stolen from you, they've, they've robbed you of, of God in your life and now you need to rebuild it. What's 2024 going to look like for you? What's it going to look like? And that's why I want us to take stock today. Where are you today? Because we need to mark our progress God even asked Moses to keep track of their progress as they, they journeyed towards the, the promised land. He, he said to him, hey, I want you to write down everywhere you've been, everywhere you stopped, what was it that happened there? I want you to make a marker of what your progress is. And I would think that if we're talking about progress, like let's, for example, say, take my office at home as the example if I walk in a week from now, what will I see? Is there, is there signs of progress? Because we know that we're never going to get to perfection in this life as a Christian. We know that for sure, and that's going to be our, uh, our main passage this morning, looking at Philippians 3, 13 to 16, that, that we're never going to be perfect. We're never going to be perfect. We are never going to fully make it as a Christian. But we need to progress and we need to see signs of that progression. And not only that, other people need to see it around us. So if we could just bring up our first passage. I don't know which one I put first now. Yeah, so Philippians 3, 13 to 16. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it 
but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Next one. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. Next one. But we must hold on to the progress that we've already made. See, while we may not ever be perfect, there's this cry that Paul is talking about here that we need to hold on to what progression that we have made, that we need to guard it very jealously. If you as a Christian have progressed this year, don't let it regress, don't let it go back to what it was before, but forget about the past things. We have to be able to forget about those things of the past and move forward, don't we? If we keep looking at the past, keep looking at our failures, and I think one of the songs we sang this morning, you know, as we did communion, it's like, Trade in your sorrows, whatever, what, you know, your, your regrets, your mistakes. Trade them in. There is no doubt that to make progress, we have to do this thing. We have to forget what has happened before. If it was bad, don't forget the good things. But there'll be things you did this year. You might have spoken a word to, to, to someone that... The moment it left your mouth, you regretted it. You regretted it. You need to leave it behind. You need to say sorry, apologise and move forward. But leave those things behind. What about the things that you did that you're like, I just was battling with this and I gave into temptation? Leave it behind. Bring it to Christ. Father, forgive me. If you want to stay exactly where you are, make it a priority to remember all the bad things, to remember all your failures, to remember all your mistakes, to, to remember all your misgivings and the things you should have done, but you didn't do. You just stay and wallow in that. But if you want to go ahead, you have to make a decision that whatever was behind me is behind me and I need to move forward. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but when you're trying to move forward and you're living in the past, it never happens. When you're trying to make restoration, but you're using rubble to build what is meant to be new, it never works. Mark things in your life. Look at your progress. Consider your progress. Have you moved forward? I want to share a story from Second Chronicles 24. So I think there's a slide just with that chapter on it there. Just so that we can have that up there. So you can remember, please go and read this story. As I read it, as I read through it, and I was thinking about the things that happen in our life and how we're meant to be progressing, this story really jumped out to me. So... I'll just give you a bit of background in, in Chronicles here. It's, it's talking about a king, Josiah. And what had happened was there was an evil grandmother, believe it, before he was born, that 
that had started to change things and, and had gathered followers and, and she had made herself ruler of Judah, of Israel. And she'd, she'd encouraged the people to leave God. She'd encouraged them to um, go into the temple of God and take the dedicated things and use them to worship Baal. As it so happened, she ended up being killed and everyone rejoiced as they do. But what happened was the temple was in disrepair, it was broken down, everything had been stolen and, and the king decided that this needed to be repaired. So he started construction. But they had no money, they had nothing left and, and so with the high priest Jehadiah at the time, he worked out a way to raise the money and, and what they did was they had a big chest, they stuck it up near the altar at the church or the temple, what we'd call it back in then, the temple. People would come and they'd bring their gifts of gold or whatever it was and they'd just chuck it in the temple and then that money was to be used to rebuild the temple. They had a resource that, that was given so that, that there would be something special to happen out of it, the, the rebuilding of the temple. Now, while we look at that, we could say, well, yeah, the temple's not a, you know, it's just a building, but I want you to just think about this. The king realised that the temple was, was, was in need of repair that had been broken down, it had been robbed from and stolen from. And he knew that if he wanted a prosperous kingdom... And for it to succeed, he had to bring the people back. But having a prosperous kingdom didn't matter if the things of God were despised. That if people despised the things of God and the condition of the temple that it was in, well, we might say, yeah, that's just, you know, a building. Let me ask you this question. If you see a broken down building, if you go past a house that is in disrepair, with weeds growing everywhere, with everything in tatters, what do you think of the person's love for that place? You could pretty much say that the heart and the passion of the person in that place is not invested. And so the king could see that. The, the people of God, they hadn't been investing in the temple. And so, so it was actually a, measure, a valid measurement, really, of the heart and passion of the people of God at that time. It's not God, but the neglect and despising of the temple reflected the way that people neglected and despised God. So this opportunity was given, guys, pour into this. And what happened was they employed skilled craftsmen that could do the job, that could do the work. They, they got stonemasons, they got people who could work with wood and they rebuilt the temple, but not only that, they actually strengthened the temple and the Bible says that they actually restored the temple of God according to its original design and they actually strengthened it. But along the way it says that they worked very hard and their progress was seen by everyone. The progress as it was made. What the heck does this have to do with us? One Timothy four fifteen talks about how when Timothy was 
was leading his church, that, that he was meant to preach the word, that it was to be consistent in what he says. He was to live a pure life before the people. And the point of that was this, that everyone would see your progress. Work hard. Throw yourselves into these things, it actually says. Throw yourselves into these matters so that everyone will see your progress. Isn't that an amazing thing to think? That there is something about your life and you working hard in, in seeking the things of God, pursuing the things of God, that when people look at you, they will see your progress. Now, let's take our focus off us thinking about our own progress. Think a little bit wider. This year... If your family and the people around you, those closest to you, looked at your life, where would they see you have progressed this year as a Christian? Thinking from them. I've obviously displayed more fruit, haven't I? They can see I've grown in godliness, can't they? I sort of have this feeling that unless we throw ourselves into the things of God, that, that our progress will not be noticeable by anyone. Our regress probably is, as people look at us and go, whoa, what has gone on in their life? Why have they become like that? I do think that, and I think it's important that, that we consider what do other people see in us. Because you know what happens quite often with our own selves? We're so self-satisfied, we're so self-ingratiating, we're so self-forgiving, we're so self-understanding that we just keep covering lie with a lie. But when we start to think, well, how have I treated other people? This is how they see us. Have I been treating them better? Has my love grown this year? Have I become more pure this year? Has my mind been turned to the things of God or am I still following after the things in my life that I know are not of him? So this year, 2024 coming up tomorrow... Before you get there, why don't you take a moment to think carefully about your life? This is, a, this is what I get from that passage. Number one, there was an honest stock take of what was happening, where things were at. The temple was seen to be in ruins. Not only that, the temple had been stolen from. Now, it may very well be that your life this year is a little bit like that. You feel like the enemy's just stolen, but what has happened is not things have just been stolen, but they've been used to worship other gods. And, and your heart this year has drifted from God. You've gone away. You've, you've grabbed the things of goodness of God, and, and, and for some reason you're using those things to not worship him anymore. But you're following after things that 
you know aren't God. Taken on a stock take, where are you? Number two, if you want to be able to progress in your Christian walk, you have to have an investment made into the kingdom of God. That means you seek him first. In our story, it was all about, you know, they brought their treasury and that was the investment. But along with that came what? Their heart for the temple, for the things of God. And, and if you read that story, you'll see that worship of God was reinstated. The, the ministry was reinstated. But the investment, it's about are you really investing in the things of God this year coming up? You need to do it. If you've been stolen from, if you've been robbed, if, if Satan has stolen your joy, or if you've just drifted off, make a decision that next year I'm going to invest in the kingdom of God. What does that mean? It means I'm going to begin praying for other people. It means that I'm going to begin sharing the good news. It means that I'm going to be spending time in the word. I'm going to be investing into the kingdom of God and I'm going to give him first place in my life this year. You want to see progress? It has to change. Number three, you hang around skilled people. What do you mean by that? In the story that, that I just talked about, they got craftsmen that were really good at their craft, stonemasons, those who could, could build things out of wood. Who are you hanging around? Have you made a commitment to fellowship with other Christians that can help grow you, people that you look at and you say, you know what, I really need something of what they've got. I'm going to be around those people because they're the ones that are skilled to help me grow. Is there someone that I look at in this church that I'm looking at and I'm going, man, their family is pretty awesome and it seems to be in order. Maybe I need to go and seek them out. Maybe I need to learn the trade, so to speak. How do I build a good family? What is it that you're doing? How come your kids are seem to be following after God and loving God. What is it that, that I can see in your life? How come you're always happy? How come you're full of joy? I know your circumstances weren't good, but I can see that, that all through that time you've remained faithful to God and you've never once looked as though it's got on top of you. Find people who know God, that can rebuild, and, and, and we can always put that picture in that now we together are the temple of the Holy Spirit, the church being the temple that, that a rebuilding sometimes needs to take place in our lives. We need other people that have skill, that know God, that we hang around, that we grow with, that can teach us how to pray. Just as the disciples came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. There was this humility in what they were doing. It wasn't like, Jesus, we know how to pray. You're different to us. It was like, I'm going to put you first, God. Jesus, teach us how to pray. Don't be a person who just wanders around trying to find things their own way. And, and what I've learned through life is that it's far quicker and easier to get someone who knows what they're doing to show you how to do something than try and do it yourself. Or even, have you ever tried to fix something? Like, you're just a home handyman and your toolkit <laughs> consists of a shifter and a screwdriver. 
that you can reverse so you can have Philip's head in flat. And there's this task you've got to... Oh, a hammer as well. We've got to have a hammer. You go to do this task, it takes you 20 hours to undo the bolt, do everything that you need to do, and then a tradesman that you know has the same thing or it happens again and, and they come in and they've got all the right tools and it takes them five minutes. I've been in that situation, sometimes out of necessity. But, but how often do we try and get through our Christian life by ourselves? When someone else who's got a close relationship with God that, that you can see is mature in the things of faith could help you within seconds. Why do we, why do we think we have to do things ourselves? Find people who are skilled. Hang around them. Make sure you, you go to places where you hear the word and grow in it. And number four, this is the one that's probably the worst of all. We have to work hard. Work hard. The message for Timothy was work hard. Not work long hours. Work hard. Make it something deep inside of you that you are going to make sure you achieve it. Not to just be restored, but to actually be strengthened so that you won't ever crumble again. Because there are things we have to do in order to stand with God. And they don't just come from swanning around and being lazy and, and slack in the things of the kingdom of God. The destruction of the temple in that story didn't come because people worked hard at maintaining what was there. The destruction of the temple came through neglect and through theft. And very often, you know that a neglected building is the building that gets robbed. Isn't that not true? The place where it seems like there's no one, the place that seems empty but has something inside of it. If you abandon a house but leave everything in there, that house, you know it's going to get robbed. And how often do we neglect the things of our own spiritual temple, the person that is really close to God, that, that knows God and, and can fellowship with him, and we neglect the very thing that will give it life and vibrancy? You see, working hard is not an option for a Christian. And I don't mean like going out and working 20 jobs. You understand what I'm saying? That you work hard on your faith. You are diligent in the things that you do to grow in faith. You don't stop doing it. You continue on until you get a breakthrough. You're like, but I haven't had a breakthrough yet. Well, I don't know, but I'm pretty sure Jesus talked about it in this way. Ask. Keep on asking. Knock. Keep on knocking. Seek. Keep on seeking. The breakthrough came through the consistency and the perseverance that happened in prayer. And you can never give up. You have to keep working hard. You have to make sure that you do all that you can to make sure that you are in a healthy place, that, that the temple 
the you that, that follows after God, that where your body, even where the Holy Spirit lives, is dedicated to Him. Oh, yeah. I wonder if that challenges you. Challenges me. But at the same time, it just makes my heart sing for joy. Because I can see the possibilities of following after God that, that not only would my life be, be rebuilt, but it would be strengthened. It would be fortified as I do these things. My life will not crumble. My Christian life will only improve and the people around me will see evidence of God working in my life. That they would look at me and say, you're more patient, you're more kind, you're more loving, you're more generous, you're more forgiving, you're more faithful, you're more pure than you were last year. Mark your progress, guys. Hold on to it. If you have progressed this year, don't let next year be the year that you fall back. But hold on to it. Hold on to it and keep it. I just want to pray for us all now. And If we could just stand, that would be great. So I might get Shannon up. She's going to do one prayer. Is that okay? And I'm actually going to get Matt Koenig up as well. Seeing he's walking this way anyway. <laughs> so Shannon, what I'd like you to do is just with your prayer. Now if this is you, I want you to identify with this. This prayer is going to be for those who have just had a really tough year. I'm going to get Shannon to pray to break over your life, any attack of the enemy that might be there, but also to pray that you will walk into what God has for you next year. Matt is going to pray for those of you who have had an amazing year, (laughs) that you feel like God has just blessed you. I'm going to get him to pray that you don't slide back, but that actually you walk into a greater glory next year. All right, so let's, let's just pray, Shannon. Father, we come before you with everything that 2023 was and everything that didn't happen for us, all our hopes and dreams that didn't come to pass. Lord, we lay them at your feet right now. We break those things that were bad, that were curses, that were wrongly spoken over us. We just cut that off at the root right now in Jesus' name. And we proclaim victory over our circumstances. We call in the new year and Mm -hmm. we call in blessing, favour, every good thing that you have for us, Father. In Jesus' name, we claim that right now Mm. and we declare that we are walking in victory and freedom and that 2024 will be the year that Mm. we will proclaim victory over every circumstance that's in our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you and we place you above all things right now in Jesus' name. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Shannon. Yeah, Lord God, I mean, thank you uh, for those of us who have had a successful year this year and for all the amazing things that we've seen you do in and through us. God, I thank you for provision. I thank you for uh, 
promotions at work. I thank you for all the different things that have taken place where we've seen you at work, the miraculous things, the healings that have taken place, Lord Jesus. We thank you for the opportunities to see the good things that you are doing in the midst of things that might not seem like they're going well, and then to see that outcome. God, I thank you for the testimonies that have come this year. Mm. And I just really pray over us uh, as a church family as we continue on into the next year, Lord God, that we wouldn't be uh, settling and becoming complacent and comfortable, uh, but we would continue to push into who you are. We'd be continuing to seek your face, continuing to move in the things that you'd want us to do, Mm. Lord Jesus. And we just thank you that when we step into those things that you will provide when we fall short that you will give everything that we need in order to do the things that you're calling us to do. And so we thank you, Lord God, for who you are and what you're calling us to in this place. Yes. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Shannon. All right, guys, as we worship in in our song that we're about to sing as the music team comes up, just take some time to reflect on the year that was your progress Now, if you have let God go, take the opportunity right now as you're worshipping to just say, sorry, God, I want to come back to you. Ask him for for his forgiveness. Just let him wash you clean. So during that time and, and as you're thinking about your progress this year as well, ask him to show you what he wants you to achieve next year for him. And... I mean, it can really simply be boiled down to that verse that, that, that uh, was pre- presented and, and as, uh, as we were praying for Hugh as well, you know, seek first the kingdom of God this year. Let's make that a priority. Let him be number one so that we will progress in the things of the Spirit. Thanks, guys.